All right, my friends, welcome back to Your Bible, Book by Book. I'm Pastor Luke. This is the book of 2 Timothy. And uh, 2 Timothy is, uh, again, one of the pastoral uh, epistles of Paul. So it's written by Paul to Timothy, and uh, along with 1 Timothy and along with Titus, uh, in that small collection uh, is what we call the pastoral epistles. Um, and these are writings that come pretty late in Paul's life. So we have... Uh, this whole big block of scriptures that Paul wrote from Romans all the way through to Philemon. Um, and, and some of those are what we call uh, the Pauline epistles. And then we kind of come down to other distinctions like the prison epistles. Um, and then uh, we also have what we call the pastoral epistles. So within that whole block, we have all these distinctions. And so um, it, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a clarification of the chronology, if you're interested in that. Um, it, it is interesting uh, to me how these things work out. So what we see in uh, Paul's letters is that he wrote uh, while he was traveling, while he was on mission um, from one church, and he's writing to another church, uh, but then eventually uh, he is arrested, and, and uh, when he's arrested, he's taken to uh, Caesarea first, and then to Rome. We believe that he wrote uh, Ephesians, um, Colossians, Philippians, uh, Philemon. He wrote those books uh, when he was in his first imprisonment in Rome. Now, some people um, believe that Paul was imprisoned once in Rome and then was beheaded. Uh, other people agree with the early church uh, historian Eusebius, um, who wrote around the time of Constantine. So, uh, 300 or so um, A.D., who wrote uh, that he believed Paul had been imprisoned uh, the first time, um, argued for his release. He, he basically argued um, in court before Emperor Nero um, effectively and was released. He was released for a little while, um, did some more mission work, and probably in Spain, and then was recaptured, rearrested, and then uh, in his second imprisonment um, is when he was finally uh, beheaded, and that's when he was executed. Um, and so how that would look is that he wrote uh, Ephesians and Colossians um, and uh, Philippians in Philemon in the first imprisonment was released. He wrote during his, his short time of freedom, First Timothy and Titus, and then after he was arrested the second time, uh, he wrote Second Timothy. One of the reasons why this was argued was because in, in uh, Philippians, Paul says very clearly that he believed he was going to be released. He told the Philippian church that he desired to go be with Christ, and, but he believed it was better for them that he would uh, be freed, that he would continue to do ministry. Um, so we have that um, testimony from Paul in the book of Philippians that he believed, and we believe Paul was a prophet and that Paul had spiritual insight, and so he wasn't just guessing these things, that somehow uh, the Lord had revealed this to him. Um, and so he has that testimony in, in Philippians. We know from Philippians and uh, Ephesians and Colossians and also Philemon that those letters were written around the same time and that he distributed them through uh, people that he was working through or working with at the time, and then he sent them out with those letters. Um but then we don't see anything in First Timothy or in Titus about his imprisonment, but we think that those letters come late. 
So there's some evidence that uh, he has nothing to say about being in chains, being imprisoned, which he does uh, in those other letters. Um, but then in 2 Timothy, uh, we see that Paul clearly says that he's in prison. In fact, he's not only in prison, he's been abandoned uh, by all the people that uh, were supporting him and following him and, and uh, with him in ministry. And he now changes his uh, tune quite a bit um, from Philippians when he says in Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse... Um, I have my glasses here. Okay, so... 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. And so we see um, here that Paul has now radically changed his tune from, um, I believe I'll be released because it's better for you that I would continue, to now um, absolutely knowing with confidence that this is the end for him. Uh, that he's going to uh, go to his glory in heaven. And so in order for us to kind of have a, a clear picture of this, uh, it seems that we would need to understand Paul um, and, and his, his personal perspective. Um, and so that's why we would say uh, Paul saw, understood, was had a revelation from the Lord that he was going to be released. We believe that he was released. Um, and then after his second imprisonment, he knew uh, Nero had changed his his attitude towards Christians. And historically, we know this is true, that early on in, with Nero, he wasn't um, persecuting the Christians like he did later in uh, his, his uh, rule. And so in that second uh, defense, Paul probably had really no chance because it was a political issue now that uh, Nero wasn't looking at Paul's uh, personal issue. He's looking at it as a, a broad political issue, and Paul was somebody that he could sacrifice um, for this cause. And so Paul knew, understood um, by the Holy Spirit that this was going to happen. So Paul writes, and then why this is important is because Paul is writing this uh, this book, this last thing that he wrote, this last epistle, this last revelation from the Lord um, to encourage Timothy in his ministry, because he knows, Paul knows, that he is not going to continue in his ministry, and he needs to pass on as much of, of God's power, purpose, and, and will uh, to the next generation as he can, as he's enabled to, and been inspired to. And so he's passing on some very important truths to Timothy in this last letter. Um, and one of the really important truths that he's trying to communicate, that the Lord is revealing here, um, is that he will suffer, that we will suffer, that as Christians, that this is part of what it means to be a Christian. In fact, all those who pursue godliness will suffer. This is something that has been uh, taught throughout Scripture that we understand as Christians is um, almost uh, promised, and in, in <laughs> as a negative promises that might look like, but it, it's almost guaranteed, I guess I should say, that uh, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul's uh, reiterating that basic truth, that in this world, as leaders, as Christians, as people who have claimed Christ, that we're, we're going to have some, some troubles. Um, but in the midst of that, we need to make sure that we are faithful and that we are um, continuing to trust in the Lord and proclaim the truth, because 
there's a power in this. There's actually a purpose in, in suffering that uh, the Lord can use in, in a really significant way. So the reasons why, and I'm not going to get into all the reasons, but just a couple of reasons why um, it's a foregone conclusion that Christians will suffer is because when you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit comes into your life and transforms you and makes you a new creation in Christ, you are now a um, hostile um, person to the environment around you, or the environment around you is hostile to you, I should say. Um, you're the light, and, and the uh, world around you is dark. And the other ways that the Bible talks about this is that you are the aroma of Christ. That, uh, and to those who are being saved, you're, that's a, a sweet fragrance. That It's uh, pl- very pleasing to other people, and, and you probably can sense that and feel that and see that, that you know, when you're with other Christians, that there's a great fellowship and a joy to be with other Christians. But uh, to those who are perishing, it says that you are the smell of death. Um, and, and what that is referring to is that you are reminding the world that there's no hope in this world other than Jesus, and uh, that the world is guilty of sin, and that the world is going to be accountable for that sin unless we bring that uh, to the Lord through Christ to let him forgive and heal and redeem it. So what that means is that those who refuse to accept that message are going to be exceedingly, excessively hostile to those who live it and proclaim it. Uh, which means that we have uh, an enemy, which is the world itself, or the philosophy of the world, or the 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 culture around us generally. Uh, but then we also have an enemy, which is the devil or Satan, who um, is said to be the ruler of this world. Okay, and so uh, Scripture confirms that several many many times. So we don't have to really argue the case, but. Um, it does seem a little strange because God is sovereign. God is almighty God. God is the creator of the world and of all people. He's the father of all creation. He's the father of, of mankind, of all human beings. Um, and so how is it that Satan somehow has this authority? Well, how I believe and understand this is that uh, Satan, um, his authority is different than God's authority in the sense of God is the rightful owner of the world. And Philippians tells us that in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we, we have no doubt that God will re- rescue and return all of creation, all human humanity to an understanding and to a, a reverence for God's authority and power and sovereignty. Uh, but in the meantime, we live in a dark world and a dark age, and, a, and Satan seems to be the ruler of it, which is because um, the world has given consent. The majority of the world has given consent to Satan to be the ruler, uh, which, which has to do with uh, the, the attitude of the heart. Uh, there's a rebellion against God, and we are enemies against God in our hearts until we come to Christ and, and receive his lordship, uh, which means by default— that anyone who is in rebellion to the Lord is on Satan's team. They're they're giving consent to Satan as ruler. Um, and so he rules by fear. He rule, rules by deceit. He rules by sin. Uh, he rules by death and all those different things. But um, ultimately, he, he is still under the sovereign control or the sovereign rule or reign of God. He will ultimately uh, be vanquished and he'll fail. Um, but for the meantime, um, the world 
gives him consent. And so you live in a world where Satan has a lot of control and power because of that. Um, as a believer, um, you, you have to face that. Uh, and, and so one of the things that Paul tries to clearly talk about through Second Timothy is this issue of, of how um, there is going to be suffering for believers, that within that suffering, um, we need to be steadfast in proclaiming the gospel. We need to make sure that we are holding on to the anchor of God's word and that that becomes and, and is our source of truth And it, because it is ultimate truth. That is where we find uh, ultimate reality, ultimate truth, ult- ultimate uh, safety and security in the knowledge and understanding of God's word as the Holy Spirit gives us um, understanding of it and application of it. And so he says uh, some of the greatest things that we ever see in Scripture about Scripture. Uh, he says uh, in chapter 316, uh, all Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so Paul's depending on uh, God's Word when he can't depend on anyone else or anything else but outside of God and, and His Word. He says, this is enough. The word of God is enough. And he's trying to help Timothy uh, to anchor his life on God's word uh, as well, because everything else in the world uh, could fail you at some point. Um, even even your closest friends, even your closest allies in ministry, even in your closest Christian people around you uh, could potentially fail you and uh, give in to fear and, and uh, abandon you. And this is what Paul was experiencing in in his last imprisonment all the people that had come around him and supported him were nowhere to be found he was depending on the word of god and his relationship with god and the spirit of god and his faith and his hope in eternal life were really the only things that that he had um and so he's encouraging timothy like that's okay that's enough um because we do have a hope that this world is not all that there is and so he's uh, telling Timothy about those things. He's telling him that in the end, uh, the the world is going to become darker and darker, and this is the world that we live in. This is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, you start in verse 1, you'll start seeing uh, how Paul describes the end days, how uh, people are going to be, and they're going to be um, so given over to sin and evil that uh, it's going to be so pervasive. And we live in a time when we can kind of see how this is um, manifesting itself all around us, and our cultures are getting worse and worse, and the world's getting darker and darker, Um, and it's harder and harder to be a Christian and to stand up for truth and to uh, live in a culture that doesn't accept uh, that. In fact, um, at least in the USA, I would say that, uh, we're beginning to really turn a corner towards uh, calling evil good and good evil, which is what Isaiah prophesies, um, which is what Paul is is uh, reinforcing in this letter, uh, that that will happen. And we have to expect that that's going to happen. But in the meantime, we're here to proclaim the truth of the gospel as far and wide and as powerfully and, and uh, as lovingly as we possibly can. And so I want to just reiterate this to to those listening that as you're digging into your bible um that you understand that it is um our source of of truth it's also a foundation for your life and it's the power 
uh, of God to um, change our hearts because it tells us about who God is and it leads us into his presence. And so um, this is such a worthy thing to, to do, uh, to study your Bible, to learn it, to understand it, to, to anchor your life on it, and uh, to receive uh, salvation through uh, its message, which is pointing us to Jesus. Um, and so Paul says to Timothy um, that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And so uh, we receive those things, we understand those things uh, as we study and apply and, and live um, in our understanding of God's word through a relationship with Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. And so it is your Bible, book by book.